Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. And now, with Patricia Raskin Positive Living, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. And welcome to all of you on the East Coast. It's uh, 2 o'clock, and to those of you who are on the West Coast, it's 11 a.m. So we cover every zone here, or actually around the world. And I'm very fortunate to have a terrific guest. Her name is Aurora Winter, and she's written several books. She's written the book From Heartbreak to Happiness, An Intimate Diary of Healing. She's written the book Encouraging Words, Insight and Inspiration for Stress-Free Living. Aurora Winter is a young widow, mother, author, and certified grief recovery specialist. She is a speaker and frequent guest on radio and television shows. She's also worked as a writer-producer for film and TV companies in London, Toronto, and L.A. And she's currently writing The Courage to Love Again as she's engaged to be married. Welcome, Aurora. Oh, it's so great to be on the show with you, Patricia, and I'm a, a fan of your message as well. I love what you're all about, turning challenges into opportunity. I'm on the same page. Thank you. You know, I think one of the things I'd like to talk about first, since it's so current for you, see, you know, there are, I don't know, millions of single people out there right now, and a lot of single people, as you know, really want to find their soulmate, their mate. But something has happened to them. Either they've lost a loved one, as you did, you know, through marriage or through, um, could be an accident, could be death. It could be just that the person left you. And it could be that there's some scarring that happens, and then you've told yourself a story, and the story is effective enough, even though it's very subliminal, to keep you away from finding that right person. Now, whatever that is, you have not done that. You have found a person again, and you have found love again. So tell us your secret in terms of turning luck into good luck and finding the right person again in your life. Well, you know, I think that uh, it's very counterintuitive, but one of the things that uh, people forget to do when they want to find new love is they forget to take the step of actually healing the past. You know, they don't want to necessarily go there, but I believe that the number one thing that blocks people finding a new relationship or opening their heart to love or even being fully present and loving in their current relationship is they haven't healed the past. It could be an extreme case, such as, you know, my case, my husband died suddenly at the age of 33. He died in front of me. He was my best friend. He was my business partner. He was the father of our four-year-old. So naturally, that created a lot of grief. And, and it created sort of like a yearning for him, and that's going to repel a new relationship. Or at the other end of the spectrum, it could show up like you've been through a breakup or you've been through a divorce, and there's some bitterness or anger or resentment, some unresolved things that didn't get uh, fully healed. And until you heal that bitterness, that anger, that resentment, or until you heal that grief, you're not going to be fully present to new love. And it's a bit counterintuitive to, to heal the past first, but it's so, so, so essential. Otherwise, you'll end up repeating the same kind of dynamic again, unfortunately. Can you give our listeners some tips on how to do that? It's not an easy process. It's not an easy process, and that's why you know, I train coaches at the Grief Coach Academy, and we have healing retreats. We have free 
happiness on the house events because I think everybody needs a little bit of support. And one of the mistakes I think we make in our culture is we think, I'll do it all alone. But in fact, uh, Time magazine published an article based on extensive research by Dr. Edward Diner showing that it typically on average takes people five to eight years to heal from a devastating blow such as the loss of a spouse or a child or a career. And uh, and so don't just wait for time alone to heal you. Do yourself a favor, do your family a favor, do your bank account a favor, and take proactive steps to heal. So if people are looking for a, a new relationship, then I have some practical tips that we can go about the about the, the future, or would you like me to address a little bit more about how to heal the past, Patricia? Well, you know, I think... Whatever really is helpful for our listeners, I think let's look at, as you said, how to heal the past. Yeah, let's talk about that uh, first because I just finished saying how what an essential step it is and how we tend to skip over it. Um, What I did and what I recommend is to really give yourself full permission to express your feelings. Now, a lot of people do that with their friends and family, but their friends and family, you know, are not trained listeners, so it's great to have a grief coach or somebody who is, you know, specialized in this area of really holding the space for you to fully vent and express all of your feelings. If you can't feel it, you can't heal it. And paradoxically, uh, when we stuff or suppress those feelings, we get to keep them. But if we express them, we release them, poof, you know, we can be done with that. The second step is to accept the situation as if you had chosen it. And I was actually blessed with a dream on the second anniversary of my husband's death that allowed me to have that mind shift. And it was just, uh, you know, I still felt like a victim. I felt like he shouldn't be dead. This shouldn't be happening. Our son shouldn't be without his father. And I was, you know, just feeling bad about the whole thing. But he came to me in this dream, and it changed my life. The first question my late husband asked me was, if you had it to do all over again, would you still marry me? I thought about all the good times. I'm like, yeah, I'd still marry you. And he said, if you had it to do all over again, would you still have our son? I'm like, absolutely. He's the light of my life, my joy, and my blessing. And then he asked me this third and final question in the dream, and this is the one that changed my life. He said, given those two answers, would you want to know that I would die young? Like, whew, you know, I searched my heart in the dream for a long moment, And I discovered the answer was no. I wouldn't want to taint the joy that we did have with dread. And that dream changed, just totally changed my life, changed my energy, changed my perspective from feeling like a victim to feeling a real deep connection to gratitude for all the blessings that I had received. And while I can't, you know, wave a magic wand and give everybody a dream, there are various coaching exercises and coaching processes that invite a similar profound mind shift, mind shift. So accept your lemons, then you can make lemonade. And then I believe that the third and final step on your own path of going from heartbreak to happiness is to find a way to help others. You know, when we seek to be of service to others, when we seek to lend a helping hand or a compassionate ear or make somebody else's journey a little bit easier, a little bit faster, paradoxically, that's the fastest way for us to complete our own healing process and get out of the, you know, why me to why not me and how can I, you know, be of service to others, which is very much what you're about, Patricia. You're so of of service to others with all your wonderful um, content and messages. So, Aurora, uh, let me just jump in here. When you talked about when your husband came to you and the question is, you know, would you do it again if you knew that I would pass early on? 
and your answer was, yes, I would. Mm-hmm. That had to be very liberating for you. It was life-changing, life-changing and very liberating. And I, I just want to offer this possibility to all of your listeners because you wouldn't be heartbroken or upset if there hadn't been some good times, if there hadn't been, like, Khalil Gibran has got a beautiful poem called Joy and Sorrow. And it's really, it's the front of the hand and the back of the hand. And so when we feel grief or we feel loss or we feel devastated, it's the back of the hand, too, the front of the hand being the joy, the happiness that we had had with that person. And so it's just it, a powerful coaching question is just to turn the hand so that you look at the other side, and then instead of being filled with grief, you can be filled with gratitude. Mm. Mm. All right, so let's move forward. What can we do right now <laughs> in, in, the current, in the present? What did you do? Or did you well, do anything? Did you just keep your heart open and the person came in? Uh, well, I think now there's some very practical steps that uh, that you can do, and I did do these. Um, and these are, you know, classic coaching coaching invitations and coaching questions. So I invite your listeners to get really clear on your ideal partner, your ideal husband, your ideal wife, your ideal uh, uh, partner, and 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 get really clear who who is this person? What are their uh, values? What are their character traits? And then put those in order. So it might be things like, you know, you want somebody who's successful, who values family, who's creative, who's healthy, who likes to travel, or travel somebody who's a good listener. And so it, it, it requires a great deal of uh, clarity to first find about a dozen traits and then put them in order. And then what I invite people to do, so many people, I don't know, they just don't seem conscious and aware as they're dating. They go to bars expecting to pick up somebody who's who's healthy and doesn't hang out at bars. But you know what? Only people who go to bars hang out at bars, and that's, you know, what they do. So if, if for example, your ideal partner values family, perhaps go to PTA meetings at the schools. You're more likely to val- uh, meet somebody who has those values there. Or if you want to meet somebody who's creative, be um, attending some some art gallery uh, uh, openings or some creative workshop, creative writing workshops, or this kind of thing. So be very deliberate and selective about it. And then the other thing I think is don't uh, don't compromise. So once you've got clear on say your top three things, and if you if if one of your top things is healthy, and you meet an overweight smoker who drinks every night, well, don't go on a second date. You know, don't think well he's got cute blue eyes. No. You know, once you're clear, stay clear. It's just like if you decide that classical is your favorite kind of music, don't tune to the hard rock station. You're not going to find classical on hard rock. And so it's just similar, very, very practical things like that. And do you think part of the reason that happens where is we start to settle, is we start to tell our, give ourselves messages like, I'm too old, I'm Uh too thin, I'm too... Uh, you know, I'm not enough in some ways, so I'll take what I can get. Absolutely. We buy into some sort of scarcity mentality, which is insane. There's millions and millions of people out there. And uh, and why not be really clear who you are and who you'd like to attract? And, and instead of compromising before you've even got a relationship going, I mean, once you're married, okay, then you can overlook the, the dirty socks that never seem to make it into the laundry hamper. That's a wise thing to do once you're married and committed. But if you're just dating, no, take a stand. And I think that what people forget is um, it's as much about repelling the person who's not a good fit for you as it is about attracting 
somebody. I think just because you've attracted somebody doesn't mean that they're the right person for you. So, so do yourself yes. and do them a favor. For example, a lot of women, you know, they are very clear that they want to have children. Well, if they meet a man who doesn't want to have children, game over. That's a deal breaker kind of a value, right? Mm-hmm. Or vice versa. So, or if you are very, uh, um, religious and it's very important to you that God is number one in your household and you meet somebody who's an atheist, that's a deal breaker. So, you know, don't waste your time or theirs. So I think that's a, a really wonderful thing. And, you know, I've coached a lot of people who are, who are of course, new widows or widowers or uh, newly single, and it's amazing how when they first clean up the past, release their grief, express it and transcend it, and then take some active steps, it's amazing how many of them have gotten engaged and married. So that's really satisfying to notice. So, Aurora, let me... Uh, let me move this over now to other areas of your life so what we're looking at is knowing what you want and as you said not even going to where what you want is not there Uh so you know if you're religious or if you exercise a lot you're going to go into those areas where those people are and stay away from right what what it is you're not looking for yeah All right, so now we are looking at other ways that we can attract what we want. And you say that much of our happiness is under our immediate voluntary control. So what are some ways we can increase our happiness in general and create good luck? Yeah, well, I think that is amazing research. You know, there's now been a whole science around happiness, and it's very fascinating. They've studied uh, thousands of people, 4,000 sets of identical twins for over two decades. And by comparing these twins, they've actually discovered that only 10% of our happiness is due to life circumstances. So a lot of people think, well, you know, I'll get happier when I lose 20 pounds or when I'm making six figures or when I move into a big house or when I settle my my challenges with my ex-spouse. But it's simply not true. Only 10% of our happiness is due to life circumstances. And we do ourselves a huge disservice when we play the I'll be happy when then game. And instead, you know, go directly for happiness. 40% of our happiness is under your immediate voluntary control, which means by just simply asking a powerful question like what's right about this? Or what can I be grateful for? What can I be thankful for? Taking a moment, taking a deep breath, these kinds of things. You can shift your happiness like that. And then that leaves about half of our happiness that will respond over time to better happiness habits like getting enough sleep, exercising, drinking enough water, eating healthy food, making a deliberate um, proactive um, effort around um, maintaining good relationships, being of service to others these kinds of things. So it's, it's really um, powerful. And what I'm sure you've noticed, Patricia, is that happy people attract all kinds of things. People want to be around happy people. Happy people uh, make a million dollars more over their lifetime. They're 35% less likely to get sick. They actually live seven years longer. And why is that? I believe that's because naturally we want to do business with people who are happy. We want to marry people who are happy. We want to be around people who are happy. And so I believe that the number one thing you can do to improve your luck and go from bad luck to good luck is to deliberately choose to be happier. And I can give you know some more tips about that as well. Yeah, I, I like that. But let me say something here. I do think there are some things, though, that make people immediately happier. Uh-huh. So, for example, and I know this is for me, um, you know, when, when my space is clutter-free, I am happier. 
Uh-huh. After I've gone to the gym, I am happier. Uh-huh. You know, when I'm in a happy relationship, I'm happier. When I'm not concerned about financial issues, I am happier. So I do think that there are things that happen to us that will make us feel happier. Absolutely. And to be deliberate and mindful about them, like you're very specific there, Patricia, you notice what makes you happier. And for different people, it's going to be different things. You and I are very much the same. I like my space to be serene. That's important to me. I I go to the gym almost every day. That's important to me. And, And, of course, it also boosts endorphins, so that also gives you that support. Um, and but and I just want to say for all the listeners, get really conscious and aware of what makes you happy. I think that's just a wonderful way to change your look. Um, happiness has come from three main main categories or main sources. One is pleasure, which a lot of us think happiness is just pleasure. It's just like the chocolate cake, or it's just like the the great endorphin rush from working out at the gym. But it also comes from two other sources that we don't uh, oftentimes think of so automatically when we think of happiness. It comes from meaning. So what meaning you put on something will dramatically change your happiness. So initially when my husband died suddenly at the age of 33, the meaning I made for that was that God hated me, my life was ruined, my son was going to be damaged for life, and I was going to be hobbled, you know. And so that was a, a catastrophic meaning that I put on it. But two years later, after I had that dream, the meaning I put on it was completely different. And now the meaning I give to it is I really feel literally or metaphorically up in heaven, God asked for a volunteer. And he said, can I have a volunteer who'd like to teach people how to go from heartbreak to happiness? And I'm like, pick me, pick me. That sounds like a cool life mission. And then he asked for a volunteer who would teach me what I needed to know, and my late husband volunteered. And now my life is filled with the meaning and purpose of training coaches at the Grief Coach Academy so that together we can help the 50 million people who are dealing with grief so they don't suffer five to eight years but can get through grief much more quickly. So that's meaning, and that actually is one of the sources of happiness. And then the third source of happiness that we don't always think of is full engagement. So, for example, if you're a good tennis player and you look pretty athletic there, Patricia, if you're playing against somebody who's way, way worse than you, you're not fully engaged. You're probably going to be a bit bored. On the other hand, if you're playing against an Olympic-caliber tennis player, you're going to be creamed, and you're not going to enjoy that either. But when we are fully engaged, which means that we're, we're... you know, we're writing a book, we're giving a speech, we're playing tennis full out with somebody who's 5% better than us, that full engagement is also a source of happiness. So as your listeners are becoming more aware of happiness and choosing to deliberately create it in their life, whether it's a beautiful, serene office, uh, flowers, working out at the gym, calling a friend, doing something to help others, look for not just pleasure, not just, not just the chocolate kind of happiness, but also look for meaning and look for engagement. How does that resonate with you, Patricia? Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's all very important. And I think um, one of the things that I, I really want to ask you about is what you say to someone who works with you, Aurora, and is just stuck. Yeah. And how do you help them see where the good is, where the blessings are. You know, that can be very difficult to do at times um, if the person isn't willing to change. I forget who said it now, but somebody said, you know, the good thing about when you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, that's the point at which there's the opportunity. 
So until the person's fed up with feeling like a victim or feeling blue or feeling stressed, there's not really that opportunity. I think when, though, the person goes, I've had it, I don't want to feel bad anymore, then they're very receptive. So what I, what I think there's a two-step process. One is to really acknowledge the person, how they're feeling and where they're at, to be willing to be that compassionate uh, listener without mm-hmm. resisting that they might be, you know, disempowering themselves or that they might be feeling like a victim or just it can be difficult sometimes, you know, if somebody's dealing with a divorce and they see themselves as completely innocent and the other person is completely uh, guilty. But you can just use nonviolent communication, which Marshall Rosenberg um, is the, the founder of or the pioneer of, and just say, well, I'm hearing that your need for compassion or fairness or honesty or integrity or whatever the case may be wasn't met. Once, once the person feels heard, then you'll have an opportunity to invite them, you know, to come to healing retreat with you or happiness in the house or to read an uplifting and inspiring book or to coach with you or to seek out the help of a professional or to come to church with you or whatever the case may be. But it really, until the person feels heard, they're not going to be so receptive to shifting their point of view. So it really has to come from them, is what you're saying. It does have in to some come way, from them. they yeah. have to say, I, you know, I've had it in some way. Exactly. And what I also, I think the biggest gift we can give others is to be that lighthouse, to be, like Gandhi would say, be the change that you'd like to see in the world, except on a peaceful, happy level. So you be peaceful, you be joyful, you be prosperous, you be healthy, you be that caring friend. And that creates an energy field and a powerful invitation for them to go, well, What's Patricia got that I don't have, and I want some of it, you know? So that's, you know, that's why I ended up being a coach, because everybody was like, how on earth did you go from such a devastating circumstance, Roar, to being so bouncy and happy and twinkly? Because whatever you got going on, you know, we want some of it. And that's why I started coaching people through grief, but then there were too many people, so that's why I've got the Grief Coach Academy now to help others. So I think we can help by being... Let me read something from your book, Encouraging Words, that you wrote that I think is beautiful. Okay. Problems cannot be resolved all at once. Slowly untie knots. Discern whether this is a puzzle, an obstacle, or an entanglement. Patiently analyze the puzzles to solve them. Persist to overcome obstacles. Extricate yourself from entanglements. Even the greatest difficulties can be resolved when they're reduced to smaller, more manageable components. Hmm. Very nice. I love that too. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. I do it have the encouraging words. It's it's a beautiful book, but I also make it available on Facebook, uh, a Facebook page called Encouraging Words, so people can get a uh, uh, you know little insight or inspiration once a day through that the feed through the Facebook called Encouraging Words. You know, and I think that's, that's a way to encourage somebody else. You know, just give them a book or share an uplifting comment or thought or forward them um, some encouraging things. It really does make a difference. We right, can I make want to a read one more difference. from your book here, Aurora, on encouraging words. This, this one speaks to people who kind of stay in that victim mentality. You write, don't endlessly repeat the same lesson. It's not your woman you starve for love but yourself. Choose whom to love wisely, then brave heart throw caution to the wind. As you love her and she loves you, and fueled by love, each will love each other more intensely, forming an intimate loop of love, a beaming, healing, perpetual motion love machine. 
Uh-huh. Explain that one. <laughs> well, I actually wrote that after my husband died. I, I dated some people who, like me, I guess, were were damaged at that point, using that word kind of loosely. And so I was dating a guy, and he didn't even have the courtesy to break up with me. He just <laughs> stood me up and went back to his former girlfriend. And so this was a that was part of a poem that I wrote to him. But what I like about that poem is, you know, I was discovering my own way, and I guess the poem is as much to myself as it was to him. And I think all of us don't endlessly repeat the same pattern. We tend to repeat the same lessons over and over again until we get them. (laughs) And so that's okay. You can only pass this course, but you get the lesson over and over again. So I found that um, helpful for me as well because after my husband died, I initially dated, you know, boys because I thought, I'm never falling in love again. (laughs) I just want to keep you far away. And eventually now I've come to the point where my heart is open and I'm able to love again. But it was a journey, as it is for most people who deal with some kind of devastating loss like the death of a spouse or a devastating divorce. All right. Well, Aurora, you certainly walk your talk. Tell people how they can find your books and your workshops. Mm. Well, people can find out more by visiting the website from heartbreaktohappiness.com. They can get the entire book, From Heartbreak to Happiness, which has been endorsed by Dr. Wayne Dyer, who said, I read every page of this beautiful diary. It touched my heart, and I'm sure it will impact yours. You can get the entire ebook version for free on the website from heartbreaktohappiness.com, or you can get it in any bookstore or on Amazon. It is a beautiful hardcover book. And you can also, um, if you want to visit griefcoachacademy.com, griefcoachacademy.com, you can find out more about helping others if you feel called to be of service in that way. We train coaches. We have healing retreats, and we've got Happiness on the House events. But if you visit those two websites, either griefcoachacademy.com or from heartbreaktohappiness.com, you can find out more, and we look forward to being of service. Thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you so much, Patricia. It was really great to uh, to connect with you and hopefully give the audience and, and then the listeners some opportunities to reinvent themselves and turn their own challenges into opportunities. Absolutely. And stay on the line, please. All right, folks, my guest has been Aurora Winter, and her books are Encouraging Words and From Heartbreak to Happiness, and go to aurorawinter.com, A-U-R-O-R-A, winter.com. All right, that wraps up Patricia Raskin, Positive Living for Today. Go on to my website, patriciaraskin.com, or write to me, patricia at patriciaraskin.com, and I'll send you a copy of my monthly newsletter. Until next time, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. I'm Patricia Raskin, right here on voiceamerica.com. Bye for now.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.